Hey folks, Tiny Brian here with you one more time in the off-season. Hope you're enjoying these longer-form uh, versions of our interviews. We, we certainly don't want to have, you know, two-hour episodes during the season when we bring you all of this information, but our guests are so thoughtful and insightful that we just can't, in good conscience, keep it to ourselves. So, that's why we're bringing you these longer-form interviews in the off-season. And I've got another one for you today. Probably, probably my favorite of the season was a, was a couple months ago now, we traveled to Louisville, Kentucky to meet with Representative Attica Scott, uh, who represents West Louisville, at least part of West Louisville. And we had a wide-ranging conversation, and we were only able to bring you a little sliver of that back in episode 11, maybe 10? Uh, you'll, you'll see. But so, given that we could only bring a little bit of it that time, we decided to correct that, and now we're bringing you a fuller version of that interview. And uh, I think you'll agree that she has... Uh, She's a great uh, person to listen to and some, uh, some interesting conversation that we hope you enjoy. So uh, here's that interview, and we'll be back with new episodes soon and maybe some other kinds of surprises, more bonus content to come. Thanks for being a listener to Bluegrass Homefront. Uh, since we're six feet apart, I'm going to take the mask off, so I'm not going to look this on the interview. Can I start by getting your name, please? State Representative Attica Scott. And Representative, do I have your permission to use this audio for my podcast? Yes. Excellent. All right, so we'll go 25, 30 minutes, depending on kind of how the conversation flows, and then we'll edit it down to an eight to ten minute segment, just okay. so you kind of know the, the, what we're, our plan is here. Mm-hmm. <sighs> All right, let me do my little... Thing for here, give us a clap. Oh. Representative Attica Scott, interview take one. <laughs> All right, we are pleased to be joined here in. Uh, this is the East End, isn't it? This the West End. West End. I'm sorry. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is what we what the 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 people call the West End, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. We're here in the West End of Louisville with uh, Kentucky House of Representative Representative Attica Scott. Attica, it is great. Thank you so much for doing us the honor of joining us here on Homefront. I am glad to do it. You're the first actual person of who's a real notable name we've had. So, you know, we've uh, we've had a, a couple of journalists and things, but you're our first actual representative. So okay. we're, we're very pleased to have you. Uh, tell me about, I know that you, you have been a representative since 2000. I, had it. I was sworn in in January 2017. Look, I got the I got the year right. That's right. And uh, so you've been, and then before that, you were on the Louisville Metro Council. That's correct. correct. Yes. How long were you on the council? Three and a half years. Okay. Yes. So how would you uh, how would you say the diff? What what do you say the differences between between on the Metro Council and actually being at the State House? What, what, how would you define the differences between those? There's a lot of difference. There were 26 members of the Metro Council. There. And there are 138 members of the state legislature. Um, But there also is the political difference. On Louisville Metro Council, we weren't as hyper-partisan as folks are in Frankfurt, which is very disappointing because we should be there to take care of the people of Kentucky, not be concerned about red or blue or party lines. 
Is Louisville's uh, city, because in Lexington, the, the council and the mayor, all that's nonpartisan. Is that true here in Louisville or no? No, no, Louisville is partisan, yes. In the, in the city council? It, on the really? metro council, yes. Okay. That's funny. I, I, think, I think having a nonpartisan, I mean, we know what everybody's partisanship is. It's, it's an open secret in Lexington. But I think it works a little bit more to our advantage there to keep it less partisan on the city level well quite frankly I, I wish we didn't have political parties or we had a lot more because in all honesty I'm a Democrat but I'm a lot different than most Democrats uh, who are in my party here in Louisville and across Kentucky oh sure well there's yeah there's probably three different parties in the Democrats and probably just as many among the Republicans when you actually start breaking out what people believe that's right that's right and, but it, it really for me we should be our belief should be taking care of our people Absolutely. taking care of our neighbors right and we shouldn't get into bickering and arguing just because of our political parties but that's what happens too often far too often now i know you were t speaking of taking care i know that you were a big part of a bill a couple of years ago that took some of the taxes off uh child care items and feminine products and that sort of thing. Would you care to talk about that a little bit for us? Oh, my goodness. I had young people come to me and ask if I would remove the tax from menstrual hygiene products, file a bill to remove the tax from menstrual hygiene products, and then also to look at train, yeah. the West End. Welcome. <laughs> we're glad to, we're glad to be here. <laughs> yes. Um, but also to look at removing the tax from certain baby products as well. I mean, there is a high poverty rate in Kentucky. And so people who are struggling from paycheck to paycheck or no check to no check shouldn't have to also struggle with taking care of their babies and taking care of their health. So I filed the bill and I filed it for the past three years and it's never gotten a hearing. They won't give it a hearing. You know. I, I know I hear uh, my, my I, I've always been sort of a political junkie. But my focus has often been on the national scene. But as I've gotten older, I've become more interested in state and local mm -hmm. things. And one of the things I hear is that for the state house, things kind of have to come up two or three sessions in a row to really kind of build traction. Would you say that's true as someone working on the inside? I would say it depends because there are certainly my colleagues who can file something like the sewage bill and take away teachers' pensions in one session. Yeah, to take a sewage bill and to cut it and... You know, to really take, we're going to call this the sewage bill is what we're going to take away pensions. That's just, the irony there is just a little bit too thick, really. It's too thick, and that happens, that there are some people who can file a bill and that same session it gets heard and passes. In my case, I've been there four years and none of my bills have ever been heard. And for the past two years, not one member of the Legislative Black Caucus has had their bills heard. See, that's just... I can understand how frustrating that so would be. Like Mitch is in charge of the state house too. Huh? Well, of course he is. He's he's in charge of Frankfurt as a whole. He is the one who anointed uh, Daniel Cameron as Attorney yeah. General, and is probably want, ready for him to take his place in six years too. Yeah, I have no doubt of that. We were discussing that over lunch today. That that's probably who Mitch is picked because he can't. Surely that man cannot run for another term. Let's not put it past him. You've no. heard of Strom Thurmond. You're right. Yeah, I, I so, remember Strom Thurmond. So how do good people, good people of West Louisville feel about Daniel Cameron? Well, people are very hurt here because they really thought that he would at least try to get justice for Breonna Taylor, but that clearly wasn't the case. No. And so you've got folks here in the West End of Louisville. And I also have the privilege of representing part of the East End of Louisville. And folks in the East End, which is predominantly white, are also very disappointed and hurt by him. I was like, yeah. I'm, not a, I'm not a black guy, and I'm like embarrassed for you guys, you know? Yeah. 
I'm embarrassed for our Commonwealth that oh, this yeah, is I'm our sure. Attorney General yeah. who was proud to stand on, you know, the Republican National Convention stage as if he was about truth and honor and dignity and respect, but then to come home and give none of that to Breonna Taylor or her family. Not even to, the thing that frustrates me most about it is he had the way he framed it because he didn't, it wasn't even an option. Like justice for Breonna wasn't even on the menu. No. You know, it was uh, the fact that the only illegal bullets were the ones that missed. Is just... That went into the wall of her neighbor's yeah, apartment, those right? Those illegal bullets. All the others, no, we don't, we apparently don't have any problems with it. The five that went into her body. Yeah. Yes. Well, and how incompetent is the attorney general that now you have two grand jurors who are speaking out against his incompetence? That says something right there, and all of Kentucky should be embarrassed. Yeah. And I know we, we are. Uh, I, I know, yeah, and there's, we're not alone, hopefully. So this actually, this, we'll, we'll, we're going to edit this down for release next week. So, okay. And it actually won't release until Tuesday. Okay. So no, normally I'd love to be able to get you to t encourage everybody to, to vote, but, you know, maybe if they wake up the morning, the podcast releases, you can tell them to go vote. They should be voting right now anyway. They should, yes. We plan to vote tomorrow. So Good. Good. Would have done it today, but we were busy with you. Yes. <laughs> Happy to be here, though. Uh, so tell me a little bit about your background. I know mm -hmm. that you graduated from the Knoxville College. Yes. And that you went to UT for a, for a, uh, are you a Tennessee native? Or are you from no, I'm born and raised in Louisville, but I wanted to go to a, a historically black college. So I went to Knoxville College, not too far away, mm -hmm. but close enough to family still. And then I ended up staying there for 14 years and then came back home. So at this point, uh, I do have to ask one of the, an important Kentucky, an important Kentucky question. Are, are you an, are you a UT fan or are you one of the uh, do you, do you follow sports are you a sports person at all I do not follow sports anymore I used to but not anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah I guess life gets a little busy for it after well a while. it actually after I got my divorce because my husband played all kinds of sports in college so I followed everything and then after I got divorced I was like ooh we I don't have to do that anymore that's it I don't like this it turns out. I can understand, so we will leave all of that alone. <laughs> so, um, one of the things that we're we 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 are actually natives of Pike County. So, okay, yes. Yeah, we're from Representative way, Harris. Yes, way as over far there. As far you go, to yes, yes, I go, know it. Yeah, you go five minutes beyond my house, you're in Virginia. Well, so, my my in laws are from West Virginia, Fairmont, West Virginia. So I've spent tons of time uh, out, that out that way. Yes. So one of the things that that fascinates us is. Uh, Charles Booker, yes, uh, uh, with his hood to the holler initiative, mm -hmm, the idea mm -hmm. that here the West End of, of Louisville has a lot of, in common with Eastern Kentucky. That's right. And the, the you know we, we see the same kinds of poverty issues. We see mm -hmm. the same kinds of inequality. Mm -hmm. Well, not the same kinds, but sim Sim very similar. similar mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The difference is I can take my accent away, and you may not mm -hmm. know that I'm from the mountains mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. and so. Uh, Maybe I, I wondered if you if you had had a chance to talk to him or if you've dealt any with with that kind of hood to the holler and that, those kind of connections. If you what you've kind of seen. Oh my goodness, of course. Um, and having lived in Knoxville, which is Appalachia, for 14 years, I have a very unique perspective from many of my neighbors here in the West End of Louisville. I believe that we can build power together when we allow ourselves to get beyond these differences that politicians and mainstream media have tried to create. Because Representative Booker is absolutely correct. We have more in common than we do that we have is different. So we need to build from there. Absolutely. Yeah, I've often thought if we could just pluck somebody up out of, you know, McGoffin County or somewhere way over in the mountains and 
pluck somebody up out of Louisville and make them sit in a restaurant together. Well, not in these days, not in Plague yeah. World, but eventually yes. let them sit together for an hour. Well, they would make, you mm-hmm. know, you'd end up with a friendship mm-hmm. out of that. But what we could do now is um, try to build those same connections using virtual platforms. What if we did that using Zoom and got folks from, you know, the East Far Eastern Kentucky and folks from, you know, my district here in West Louisville to come together on a Zoom conversation to just talk about how we're similar, how we're different, and how we want to spend 2021 actually building something together. Absolutely, that's, I can agree that's with that. What we're all about. That's yeah, and that's that's what we're here. We are hoping that some of our friends and and relations back in the mountains will hear from a voice that's different than theirs. Yes. And, and we'll maybe you know we we we've all we've been trying to find voices of people who don't sound like us mm-hmm. and play from places that aren't like us, but mm-hmm. still limited to Kentucky. But that's there's right. A, there's a lot of variety to be had in this Commonwealth. That's right. Sure. And we need to embrace it. We need to celebrate it. And we need to push back every time someone from outside of Kentucky tries to portray us in a way that we know is not true. We can't keep letting those stereotypes and prejudices go without challenging them. Absolutely. And it's it's so easy, you know, we it's so easy for everyone to make us the butt of their jokes. That's right. And especially, you know, if, if it's not the mountains, then it's Mitch or it's, you know, some sort of redneck thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I, we are we are all about looking at ways that change the way you see Kentucky. So that's right. Well, one of the things I've been saying to folks with national media and international media, I've been talking to folks from Italy, Belgium, parts of South Africa, is that in Eastern Kentucky, we've literally had hundreds of people come out in solidarity marches for justice for Breonna Taylor or justice for black lives. And we have to amplify that and lift that up. I refuse to allow people to keep making it seem like we don't have people who live in Eastern Kentucky who are standing with us. I mean, there was a Black Lives Matter rally in Corbin, Kentucky. One of the most famous places in Kentucky. I know. For, I know for it. Not Black Lives Matter. Either. I know it. I know for actual, you know, yeah. race riot where white people drove out all of the black people yeah, in Corbin, right? Train and ship them out of there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So for you know, to see that was mm-hmm. the, the summer of all the rallies, yes. the summer across the mountains, in the middle of a plague, mm-hmm. it was inspiring. That's right. And I wanted to talk to you because, like I uh, specifically. You know, we being from Lexington and being uh-huh. boys from the hills. Yes. The West End of Louisville is like the other side of the planet to us a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, although driving around, we were like, well, there's nothing scary here. There's nothing there's, I mean, at it's all. It's just a neighborhood. Yes. So I wonder if you could tell us about signs of hope here. What, what's going on in the West End that people around Kentucky would go, oh, that's good to hear. What, what's going on here that brings hope? Oh, there is a lot. So we've got the Boys and Girls Club here in the Parkland neighborhood where I live that through COVID has been feeding families, have been feeding kids, like hundreds of people at no cost to those families that are my neighbors. That's huge. You know, it's not like we have a lot financially here, but we figured out a way to take care of one another. It's huge that right here in the West End of Louisville, we're beginning to see folks stepping up in ways that they weren't necessarily doing before, because life is hard, right? We're working, trying to take care of families, but really we have figured out how to support one another, how to get you know food to one another, how to support people in paying utility bills, how to make sure we're taking care of each other's kids while we're at work, because some of us, have, we're frontline workers. We have to go and leave the home to work, but we don't want to leave our kids by themselves. So neighbors are stepping up and taking care of one another, taking care of elders, of seniors who live by themselves and checking on them and making sure they have groceries and their prescriptions so they don't have to leave home and you know in the midst of COVID-19 potentially expose themselves to the pandemic. 
that gives me hope because it shows me that the bottom line for folks is community and taking care of one another. Absolutely. The, the, it's a cliche, but I love the phrase, the best place to store your extra food is in your neighbor's belly. Ah, I love you know, it. The idea of you know, feed somebody and they'll feed you. That's right. That's right. I, not that I have a lot of extra food, you know. <laughs> Uh, so I wanted to turn to and talk a little bit about the 2021 legislative session yes. that's coming up. Mm -hmm. I assume you're probably deep in preparations for that. Yes, definitely. Is this the long or the short session? This I is always... the 30 day short session. Oh, this is the short session. Yes. At least you don't have to deal with the budget. So. We actually do because we only passed a one year budget this year because of COVID. Oh, so no. we have to go back in January and work on another one year budget. Oh my goodness. Oh, yes. It's going to be going a to mess. Take, it's going to take over everything. Yes, it is. So as we're as we're prepping to go into that, have they started to make uh, some thoughts about how we're going to not turn the legislative session into a super spreader event, or you know, are they starting to talk about COVID related to this? Or I have not heard anything yet. I think it's very busy. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um. I think that one of the issues that's happening is that folks are waiting um, until we get the results of the election, which, you know, could take a week, right, as we count all of the ballots. So folks really are waiting until after the election before starting to do the real planning around the session. But I hope that unlike this year, they don't wait until the last minute to address the fact that we're in the midst of a global pandemic and have us prepared and ready before we go into session in January. Yeah, it seems like, well, last year, you know, it was kind of, the session was starting just as it was kind of coming to light how bad this was going to get. So you, they can almost be forgiven for being caught flat-footed last year. This year, yeah, I, they don't need to cut the session short. I mean, it's only 30 days, goodness. Right, done, exactly, folks. exactly. So how, do you how would you rate Governor Bashir's handling of the pandemic here in the Commonwealth? Listen, folks are very clear that he's done a really good job with the pandemic. Our disappointment has been his response to our protests for justice for Breonna Taylor. So, you know, while Could you, you talk about that a little more sure. So, you know, while the governor has done quite well with COVID-19, you know, he did send the National Guard to Louisville. They ended up coming here to the west end of Louisville, where I live, where there were no protests and killed a business owner. So, wow. I mean, you know, don't always weaponize law enforcement against black people because we're rising up. That's mm -hmm. so unnecessary. And say, why don't you work with us, have conversations with us about what are your demands and how can I support you in meeting those demands, rather than saying how many more members of law enforcement can I send out to actually cause hurt and harm and danger? Yeah, it's like nobody wants to burn their town down. They, this is the last and most aggressive form of communication. They're, people are trying to tell you something. Exactly right. And the folks who have been the ones who have, you know, busted out windows and and set things on fire were not from west louisville mm -hmm. they were from other parts of the city so they came here to take advantage of the movement but they weren't part of it yeah even maybe just to have a little anarchist fun or or who knows you know not really not even maybe not even mad about briona just you know well there were some folks who were interviewed who were young white kids literally teenagers who weren't connected to anything but they saw what was going on and they were like let's go be a part of it and then they ended up hurting us because they busted out the windows at our one grocery store mm -hmm. in west louisville they ransacked the one Walgreens in West Louisville, so that meant yeah, elders we were, couldn't get to prescriptions and we couldn't get to the grocery store. Yeah, Why we would we do that, that to Walgreens. ourselves? Yeah, we went by that Walgreens. Yeah. It's still boarded up now, isn't it? I know, it? yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. And, and mm -hmm. while I, I can understand, you know, why the riots happen, why they're kind of the...
a large truck for a residential it, it really is, yes exactly so, so tell me and i always kind of had this theory that it's more about protesting than riots am i right about it that? really it's protesting it's like people chanting and saying that's it that's, we have not been right. rioting we have been protesting right. we've been marching around chanting holding our hands up we have kids leading chants so that's what it's so, been so what it, did you, know? you do to get arrested exactly yeah, can we can we talk um, about that? I, I walked across the street. That's it. That was it. I literally walked across the street. I was charged with a class D felony for trying to fi firebomb the library that's in my district. I was accused of firebombing the library that I have fought for funding for in Frankfurt, and I give it up to the library's union because even before we were released from jail, they issued a statement saying this is ridiculous. She would never do anything like this. Give us a break. Was the library firebombed? Apparently, after we were arrested, somebody came through, broke out a glass window, threw a flare through the door, and then the flare fizzled out in the carpet. Oh, I was going to say, that's, I don't remember. That's not fireball. Well, you know. right. Yeah. Well, this is, we, we were talking, this is how they, this is how they shut down protests, is by issuing these felony warrants. And once mm -hmm. you've got a felony, it's a little bit harder for you to try to go out at night and protest. Exactly. My daughter was with me. She's a teenager, a sophomore at UofL, and she was concerned about her future, her scholarships, and whether or not she'd be able to stay yeah, in college. You know, I work full time, so I was concerned about my job, but I also knew that we had to keep protesting for justice for Breonna Taylor, and we had to fight those charges. I, I mean, I my fa former father-in-law was a coal miner, so I know about the coal miner uprisings, whether in, you know, eastern Kentucky or in West Virginia, and those were fighters, yeah. right? Yes, were. Kentucky, yes, were. Kentucky has allowed itself, I think, to forget about its history of protest and uprising, yeah. right? things we've talked about a few times on our podcast because we were, we were little kids a lot of times in the 80s when that was going on, but this is what we do, people. Exactly. We stand up to demand, and now that people are standing up, and it's like, oh, no. Right. That's no, right. I'm sorry. No, we like demand. Right. Yeah. Turns out we're, we're fans of demand. That's well, right. No, you're not. Right. I no. remember. That's right. Well, even in Louisville, in the 80s, Time Magazine called Louisville Strike City because labor unions were always striking for their rights in Louisville. So we can't forget that, folks. Let's remember who we are in Kentucky. We were built for this. Yeah, the labor movement has, a, has strong roots here from the industrial, yes. from manufacturing in Louisville to coal mines in, in in the eastern part of the state. Exactly. And yeah, they, they have gutted the, the labor movement in this state mm -hmm. in the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. and it's really kind of sad. And it's you can see the ripple effects of disunion. Mm -hmm. and, and the unions had so much to do with building that community. Exactly. Because they gave you another way to come together as a group. Exactly. So the same way that labor unions were dismantled by the system, mm -hmm. right, by politicians, by media, we now see those similar tactics being used against the Black Lives Matter movement, right, oh, yeah. trying to dismantle to us and break us down. Mm -hmm. it to something that is not really. Exactly. Yeah, Which was the same thing was done to labor, right? right. Yeah, well, labor, yeah, all 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 unions are just mobs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're all mobsters. Mm -hmm. And yeah, all uh I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that Black Lives Matter is a terrorist organization. I'm like, it's a clause. It's not right. even a full sentence. What are you talking about? Right. Exactly. And, and so Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes you just want to put, you just got to throw your hands up and. Or well, you got to keep doing what y'all are doing right now, right? And this Which is, is that's part of this. That's is, part of yeah, it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've, honestly, I spent about 10 years 
uh, being one of those people who get blocked on on Facebook and, and get yelled at on Facebook because I show up and, and, and well, yeah, I'm loud. Mm-hmm. And, and finally realized, yeah, I've got to, there, there's got to be a better way mm-hmm. to have these conversations mm-hmm. and less just kind of screaming mm-hmm. out on, you know, screaming my head off and let's try to have, find some reasonable discourse here. And that's literally what led us to you. Let's so. find yeah. people and get to know each other. That's it. That's right. So one of the things that I, I get torp about is, is cops. <laughs> and so you're a representative and everything. I just want to hear what your opinion is, what we can do to make cops accountable. Because that's the problem, right? They're not being held accountable for committing murder. So what do we got to do to help them? That's right. We've got to have people who are willing to say that everybody gets held accountable, right? As a politician, I want you to hold me accountable. You get to vote me out. That's one way. We don't get to vote out police officers who are uh, murdering people with impunity, right? We don't get to do that. Ten miles down the street and find a brand new jurisdiction that's never heard of them, or stay right here on the force, right, and get their pay and benefits, and so. I believe it's important for folks all across the Commonwealth to, to have these conversations to say, yes, police officers need to be held accountable. Yes, we need to make sure that we end no-knock warrants across Kentucky. That's why I filed Brianna's Law for Kentucky. I never we, understood how that was a thing to start with. They hurt officers as yeah. well. They're yeah. dangerous for officers and the people. Yeah. So we don't need those. They're so unnecessary. Um, and we need to make sure that this money we're spending on body cameras Turn on the body cameras then, right? Yeah. Yeah. Actually use them. We're spending way too much money, y'all, on on items that aren't being used. The other way that I think it's important to hold police accountable, and again, this goes back to uh, protests with coal miners, take away these militarized equipments from police officers. Why do police have tanks? In the Commonwealth of Kentucky, why are they using chemical weapons, tear gas against us, that actually harm a woman's reproductive system? They shouldn't be using those at all. They should not be in their weapons. No. My, my thing is I think they should be more peace officers than law enforcers. Yes. Right? Well, but. I mean, I, I just remember that in Great Britain, in the 80s, they had a literal terrorist organization, the IRA, and their cops, you know, dealing with all that, they don't even carry guns. They handled a terrorist organization with sticks. So if they can do it, surely there's got to be, we don't need like Kevlar, we don't need like, you know, helmets and, and all of the, and the big shields and, and we don't need a, a military guy. We, we don't need, uh, we don't need in my neighborhood, which you all are in right now, as quiet as a mouse. It is. We except don't need, except for the trains and the trucks, we don't need police no. coming in here with, with shields and helmets and riot gear on. That doesn't create relationships. That doesn't build relationships. That's right. That's it. It looks like they've come to fight. That's it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's you're what, exactly that's right. What, so that's what armies do. They line up in a line and mm-hmm. they come at you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, when a cop does that, I'd, I'd feel threatened, too. So. That's right. Oh. Well, let's right. see. Up to the next big bird. <laughs> okay. See where we're at here. So, yeah, let's, uh, as we start to wrap it up, I'm wondering, uh, I know that you, you started out in Louisville. Yes. Now you're at a state level. Yes. Uh, I know that the, uh, for this district, uh, your, your federal representative has been there since, for a minute, I think since 2012. Yes. Do you have any designs on uh, joining the uh, Federal House of Representatives? If that's what the people want me to do, I will answer that call. I am currently running unopposed for another two years in Frankfurt, so I want to commit myself to representing District 41 in Frankfurt for the next two years. We have a lot of work to do. I'm the primary sponsor of Brianna's Law to address the issue of police accountability. 
I want to make sure that I push forward with Brianna's Law. So that's my commitment right now. That's a, that sounds like a great goal to have, but I, I think we could use your, your some of your wisdom in Washington. Well, thank you. And you have a catchy name, so I mean, <laughs> well, no, I, I'm Chris Atticus. <laughs> right. So, you know, we're, we're a couple years, you know, you're just a couple years older than us. We're, we're about the same age, but I feel like I have known your name forever. Oh. Like Attica Scott seems like a name I, I heard in high school, but I oh, have no wow. idea how I knew you. Oh. I assume I didn't, but. No. But yeah, I guess it's been what eight or nine years since you took over for the Louisville. Uh, was... 2011, yes. So, yeah. So I guess that that was about that was the I moved back to Kentucky in 2011. Oh, so did you? Well, there you go. That, that must be what it is. <laughs> like first thing I got back is hey, there's this lady in Louisville. Oh, she seems cool. That <laughs> is nice. Well, thank you. Well, you know, and and I also I don't know where you moved back from, but I also did work with the Commission on Religion in Appalachia. Cora, so you know, I, now, you might have heard me from yeah. there too. Well, I moved back from Florida. Oh, okay. Before that, I, I actually I was a, a Baptist minister, so it's possible okay. I, that yeah, your name came up in those circles. Yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, Representative Scott, it has been a real pleasure talking to you today. Thank you for inviting us to your lovely front porch. It Thank you so much. Perfect. Day. I mean, it's a little overcast, but it's a nice day. That's right. So we're we are very glad to have come to Louisville to speak with you. I we're appreciate very, you. We're both. very proud of you, and you keep fighting a good fight. Thank you. Let's keep fighting for us. Awesome. Thanks. All right. <laughs>